Uh, let's go ahead and turn one more time to Proverbs chapter 1. And uh, we will get out of chapter 1 this week. Um, but uh, let's go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 20 through 33. So Proverbs chapter 1, 20 through 33. And this is what God's word says. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. You have very, very poor timing. All right, let's start over. This is what God's word says. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing, and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof or my rebuke, behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refuse to listen, I have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without disaster. This is God's word. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this passage. And and God, we thank you for bringing us here tonight. Uh, Lord, we ask uh, that you would apply these truths uh, to our lives. Holy Spirit, we invite you to search our hearts. We we, we open ourselves up to you and we say, uh, Spirit of God, uh, see if there is any wicked way within me. Lord, we ask that you would correct us, that you would teach us what it means to be wise. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I was, I was reading a study recently that was done um, at the, uh, it was the University of North Carolina. And so they interviewed 400 different burglars, okay, so people who break into houses and stuff. So they interviewed these burglars and they asked them a question. Uh, how many of you check for a security system before you break in? They're convicted in prison. Okay. Um, so they, they asked them this question. How many of you check for a security system before you break into a house? And about 80% of them said, yes, they checked for a security system and went ahead and tried to burglar, uh, tried to burglarize anyways. Um, and so 80% of these people are checking for security systems. 
Now, if you guys have a security system in your house, what's the purpose of it? To keep you secure, right? To keep you safe. And in a similar way, uh, this passage that we're reading tonight is, is kind of Solomon's uh, security system for his son. You see, he loves his son and he wants to keep him safe, right? We read in the very last verse of the chapter, he says this, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without disaster. And so Solomon is wanting to protect his son. And so in this passage, we see kind of a little bit of a shift where Solomon goes from kind of speaking directly to he actually begins kind of using a, uh, a poetic device here where he speaks as wisdom uh, personified. It, so it, it, the dialogue that comes out of his mouth, it is as though wisdom is speaking directly to his son. And the, the uh, purpose of this teaching is so that Solomon's son will be secure, so that he won't, uh, he won't be open to uh, the same uh, catastrophic uh, destiny of the fool. He wants, he wants the, his son to dwell securely and to not, be, uh, not have the same um, outcome of life that the fool will ultimately uh, receive. And we talked last week about what that outcome is. If you guys remember, we talked about how uh, Solomon in last week's uh, section, he talked about the fact that there's beauty in pursuing wisdom and tragedy in pursuing sin. And the tragedy of pursuing sin or pursuing foolishness is that you wind up destroying yourself. You guys remember us talking about that? Um, and so that's kind of where we've been as far as context goes, and that's where this passage comes in. In the first week, um, we talked um, predominantly about the fear of the Lord, and we said that the fear of the Lord, uh, as we defined it in that message, kind of has two elements to it. it has a, it's having a right perspective of God, that God is God, and believing all in all that the Bible has to say about who he is, right? But also... The fear, having a fear of the Lord means that you're in a right relationship with him, okay? And so that's kind of the context in which this passage sits. And so the, the main theme, what I want you guys to take away from this message and what I want you to be thinking about is this, is that wisdom brings security. Seeking wisdom brings security. Now, I want, us, I want to remind us of something that we said at the beginning of this, of this sermon series where we said that uh, Proverbs gives us wisdom principles but not necessarily promises, okay? So what Solomon is saying here is he's saying that by and large, generally speaking, if you live according to God's will, you won't be destroyed by your own foolishness, right? Because you're seeking to live in accordance with God's word and God's ways. And then we also said that even though these things are true in principle, we live in a broken world still. We live in a world that uh, is in rebellion against God. And so these wisdom principles are generally true, but because the world is not yet what it's going to be when Jesus comes back, namely sin will be removed, sickness will be removed, death will be removed, foolishness will be removed, because the world is not like that yet, 
it does things don't always operate the way that they should that is according to God's original design so seeking wisdom brings security and so we're going to ask the question as we read through this passage uh, what does this passage teach us about wisdom because we all want some form of security, right? And so we're going to ask the question, what does this passage teach us about wisdom? And there's three things that we're going to pull out of this passage. Uh, The first is that wisdom is obvious to those with open eyes. Wisdom is obvious to those with open eyes. Second, wisdom is received through repentance. Wisdom is received through repentance. And finally, wisdom's rejection has to do with the heart's condition. Wisdom's rejection has to do with the heart's condition. So let's talk about that first one. Wisdom is obvious to those with open eyes. Look at verse uh, 20 for just a minute there, where it says, Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the marketplaces, she raises her voice. At the head of noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. And so the first thing that Solomon is, is telling his son, and by extension, all of the youth of Israel, and by a further extension, us, is that wisdom is something that's it's not unknowable. It's not hidden away apart from, uh, you know, uh, strenuous, studious labor, right? It's not, it's not as though uh, you have to uh, get a treasure map and, and follow the steps all the way to the X marks the spot and then, and then you'll, you know, you'll find the wisdom. He's saying that wisdom is obvious. Wisdom is obvious to all because God has made himself known, right? He's made himself known in two ways. Not only has God made himself known in the scriptures, that is through what um, some theologians call special revelation. God has made himself known not only through the word, but in Romans chapter one, God says that he has actually made himself known through the, the creation. The obvious conclusion that you should come to because there is uh, something and not nothing in this world is that something must have created everything that exists. Everything that exists presently that is in our universe must have had a beginning, which consequently means that whatever started our universe must be all-powerful and eternal. Does that sound like anybody we know? Sounds like God. Okay, and so what he's saying here is that wisdom, that is God his existence and his word and his ways, these things are obvious. These things are obvious. It's not, uh, it's not something that uh, is, is hidden away, that is unknowable. Um, one commentator, when he was, when he was uh, talking about this passage, he said that to avoid wisdom, one has to shut one's eyes and plug one's ears. Okay. So he said, wisdom is, is obvious, right? It's kind of like what he's saying is like if, uh, let's see here, who can I pick on? Um, I'll pick on Luke because why not, <laughs> right? So let's say, let's say you were uh, talking with Luke and then all of a sudden this, 
this bump started forming on his forehead, right? And then you just see an eye like pop out, right? Like you would, you'd be, that would be pretty obvious, right? You would, you would see that, right? And, and in a similar way, uh, <laughs> Solomon is saying that wisdom is as obvious as Luke's third eye, okay? It, it's, it's unavoidable. You can't, uh, you can't not see that God exists that he is all-powerful, that he has created all things. You can't not see that his ways are better than your ways. But there's, there's a problem. And, and we'll kind of talk about this as we go along. But the issue is the condition of the individual's heart. You see, every single human being is naturally born wishing that God did not exist. That's what Romans 1 says. It says that uh, the, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven because we suppress the truth of God's existence in our unrighteousness. In other words, we naturally, apart from the grace of God, don't want the God that is described in the Bible to exist because that God punishes sin. And we all know that we are guilty before a holy God. Our hearts condemn us. We recognize that we have fallen short of what God's holy standards are. And so we have a motivation, apart from the grace of God, to not want God to exist. Because if that God exists, there's two options. One, I have to turn from my sin and submit my life to him. Or two, I can continue to rebel against him and spend eternity in hell, in everlasting punishment. Those are the two options. And so if we willfully blind ourselves to that reality, we can pretend that God doesn't exist. But just because you pretend something doesn't exist, that doesn't mean that it, that is the case. For instance, I could pretend that gravity doesn't exist, but if I jump off this building, I, I'll break my old body, Right? Say, so all of that to say, what, what Solomon is saying here is that wisdom is, it's obvious. It's obvious that God's ways are right. But let me, let me ask you this, as you're thinking about this passage and the obviousness of the fact that God's ways are better than your ways, that, he, uh, that his word is truth, when you think about your own life, would you say that you seek to have open eyes regarding the things uh, that are sinful in your life? Would you say that you are actively trying to look for the ways that you are rebelling against God and trying to repent from those things, trying to ask God to help you to follow him? Or... Are you turning a blind eye to some of the sins that you know about? You see, it's really easy for us, especially as people who are in the church, to kind of look at our own lives and, and think that we're not really as bad as the person who doesn't go to, the, go, you know, doesn't go to church, right? But the truth is, is that I need grace just as much as the person who uh, doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. 
you need grace just as much as the person who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And so we need to be wise and ask the Lord to open our eyes. As I prayed at the beginning, Lord, search our hearts. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to those ways that you are actively disobeying and the ways that you are even unaware of that you are disobeying God. And then as the flip side of that, I would also encourage you to seek the wonderful wisdom of the gospel. Jesus is called the wisdom of God. And the gospel is the primary manifestation of the wisdom of God. In the gospel, God somehow figured out how to get sinful people back into a relationship with a holy God. And that, that, that separation was only bridged by the perfect sinless life of Jesus, the perfectly wise sinless life of Jesus and his substitutionary death paying the penalty for our foolishness so that you and I could have our eyes opened one day, believe the gospel and continue to seek after God and to seek to live a a wise life in accordance with his word. to seek to apply the the beauty and wisdom of the gospel to every area of your life. But particularly, as you think about those areas of sin that you struggle with, ask yourself, how does the gospel speak into this particular sin? How does the sacrificial love of Jesus motivate you to want to leave that sin behind? Okay? Okay. So wisdom is obvious to those who have open eyes. The second thing that we notice here, though, is that wisdom is received through repentance. Wisdom is received through repentance. Look at verse 23, where he says this, If you turn at my reproof, or the word is rebuke there, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit on you, I will make my words known to you. Verse 32, it says this, For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. Do you see the contrast there? So Solomon is speaking as though wisdom uh, is, is, is a person, and wisdom is saying to the young man and to you by extension, if you turn from your foolish ways. If you turn from them, the word actually, you can also translate it as repent, right? Because repentance, for, for all intents and purposes, really is just turning away from sin and turning towards and pursuing Jesus. That's repentance in and of itself. It's, it's literally, it's a, it's a 180 degree turn away from what is behind, as we read in Philippians, and it's a pressing on forward to what is ahead, towards Christ and towards uh, living like Christ. And so Solomon here uh, says that if any fool will repent, then wisdom, personified here, will pour out her spirit. Or Now, the word spirit there is the word 
ruach, and uh, it's a little bit it's a little bit difficult to translate given the context and stuff. Um, so, a, probably most scholars agree that the the better translation uh, for that word, rather than spirit, is actually the word thoughts. So, wisdom will pour out her thoughts on the simple, and will make known words of wisdom. In other words, if the fool will receive wisdom, will t- and receiving wisdom and uh, turning from foolishness are two sides of the same, the same coin. Both happen simultaneously. In order to receive the wisdom of God, you have to repent of sins in order to receive the wisdom of God. In order to uh, come into a relationship with God and understand his word and what it means to follow him, there must be a leaving behind of sin and a running towards Jesus. And that's what's being talked about here in verse 23. He says, if you turn away, uh, or if you turn at my reproof, if you turn towards me, if you seek me, that is if you seek relationship with God, you seek to understand his word, seek to understand his will for your life, you will become a wiser person. And this is something that's so hard because we are so prideful. Pride is just like the number one killer of spiritual growth. Because what we would like to think is that we have it all figured out. We'd like to think that we're already wise. Like I had, I kid you not, same kid. Okay, I work at a Christian school also. Uh, work at Cornerstone. Same kid had four different conversations with him this week. Okay? And during these conversations, I, I bring up, I say, you know, um, there's been some disruptive behavior that you've been exhibiting in the class. And, and I tried to explain to him that the reason, it's hard to do logic with a middle schooler, uh, but I tried to explain to him the reason that he so desires to have attention on himself is because he's self-centered. That's really what it comes down to, is he is trying to get attention for himself in the middle of class because he likes the attention of other people And so I just flat out told him, I was like, you know what? There's a sin issue in your life. You're selfish. That's really what it comes down to. And I had this conversation four different times. And each time it was always, well, the other person, you know, said this thing. Or uh, I I, I was just doing this. Or there was excuse after excuse after excuse. But no willingness to receive my reproof and turn from foolishness but rather just a steadfast commitment to the same course of action. Is this still going on? I'll tell you later. Um, And so similarly, similarly, the the fool in this passage um, chooses not to turn away, chooses not to repent, Right? We see that in verse 32. It says the simple or the fool are killed by their turning away from, by their rejection of God's word, God's ways, and by rejection of God himself. And the truth is, is that more often than not, we're a lot like that kid in my class. We're a lot like the fool in this passage because we'll have people who will bring loving correction in our lives 
and we just reject it. I can't, you know, marriage is wonderful, but I can't tell you how many times my wife has brought up, you know, character flaws and, and sin issues in my life. And my initial reaction is always to explain why I'm not that bad, right? Like, I don't suck that much, right? And so I'm, I'm usually my general, my first reaction is, is, is defensive, but the, the reaction that wisdom calls us to is actually one of humility of saying, you know what? I'm going to hear you out. I'm going to listen to what you have to say because maybe, just maybe, I'm not omniscient. Maybe, just maybe, I don't know everything there is to know. And so wisdom says, you know what? If... Right, let me say it this way. Wisdom is saying to us, when, we, when correction is brought in our lives, whether from a parent or from maybe from a teacher or uh, a youth leader at some point, right? When correction is brought, wisdom will display itself by, at the very least, listening and asking the question, is there a, certain, is there a way that I need to change here? Is there a way that I need to repent and turn from my silliness and, and uh, seek to have my life in a, a greater conformity to the word of God? So my question for us is as we are thinking about this passage and, and looking at it, what are some areas in your life that you can think of where you need to repent? You don't have to say it out loud. Might be a good, a good topic in your uh, small group after, after the message. My goodness, we may actually end on time. We'll see. We've got eight minutes. Um, but this might, this might be a great opportunity to talk about this in your small group and to ask for prayer from your friends and from your leaders. What are some areas maybe that the Lord has brought to your attention or maybe that your mom or dad has brought to your attention where there's sin in your life, there's a pride, there's a rebelliousness? Think, of, think about the, these things and ask the Lord to help you receive the correction of the wisdom of God's word. Because, once again, the, the big issue is pride. And so pride must die in order for us to receive wisdom. We must be people who are humble. And that only happens when you recognize that the Son of that you are so wicked, you are so sinful that the Son of God had to die to pay the penalty for your sins. When you recognize that, it humbles you. It brings you low. It makes you recognize, you know what? I, I don't have it all figured out. I need Jesus. I need grace. I need forgiveness. So as you're thinking about this passage this week, ask yourself, what are some areas that I, need to, that I need to make changes? What are some areas where I need to turn away from a particular sin and turn towards Jesus? And my encouragement for you, if God or someone else brings correction in your life, don't get defensive right away. Entertain what they're saying. Pray about it. 
maybe the Lord is trying to correct you through a, the loving uh, rebuke of a friend or a parent. Okay? I remember, <laughs> tell you a funny story. Uh, when, <laughs> so this is not my first time being a pastor, okay? And uh, so when I was a young pastor, there was something that I did. Um, I won't go into all the details. Um, but the, uh, the pastor there was like, you know, Chris, you're being a dimwit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that hurts my feelings, <laughs> right? But I needed to hear that. I needed the loving correction of an older brother in Christ right. to tell me, you know what, Chris, you're a dum-dum sometimes, and you need, you need to bring your life into more conformity with the word of Christ and with the will of Christ. Um, so just this little relatable story. Uh, doing, okay. Not going to tell you. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but all of that to say, our first reaction is usually to get defensive. But we receive wisdom through repentance, through the, the humble attitude of repentance. So that's, the first, so that's the second thing, is that wisdom is received through repentance. But the last thing that we see here, what I, what I really want us to, to, uh, to think about um, is this, is that wisdom's rejection has to do with the heart's condition. Wisdom's rejection has to do with the heart's condition, okay? Look at verse 22 there. Where, he said, where wisdom, speaking to the youth and speaking to the Solomon's son, says this, How long, O simple ones, and then this is the key phrase, will you love being simple? How long will you scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. Verse 29 because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. So you see, Solomon explains that the problem is not that wisdom is unknowable. The problem is that the wisdom of, the problem is not that the, the wisdom of God is not logical. So the wisdom of God is knowable, it's logical, it makes sense because uh, God is the one who has designed this world and so he's designed it to operate according to a very specific way. The problem resides in the heart of the fool. The problem resides in the heart of the fool and namely the problem is that the fool loves being foolish. You catch that? How long will you simple ones love being simple? The fool is guided by his or her own limited perspective and ruled by self-centered desires of the heart. You see, in every situation where God calls us to do something and we don't do it, that tells us something about the condition of our heart. It tells us that we love ourselves more than we love Jesus in that moment. Every time we disobey, what we are essentially saying is, I love myself and my sin more than I love God and his ways of doing things. Now, we don't consciously say that. 
Okay, I'm not saying that that's a thought that you regularly have when you sin against God. We don't consciously say that. But subconsciously, what is revealed by our actions is what controls our heart. So if our heart is controlled by selfish, self-centered desires that think only about our own comfort, pleasure, and happiness, then those, then that uh, control over our hearts will direct the choices that we make. And conversely, if our hearts are gripped by grace, moved by the love of God displayed in the gospel, moved by the love of God displayed in Jesus dying for your sins, when that reality takes a hold of your life, you will start to hate your sin and you will start to want to live more for Jesus. When you recognize how deeply loved you are by him, you cannot help but want to leave your sin behind, to leave foolishness behind, and to pursue a deeper relationship with Jesus. Give you an illustration. So I'm not a big vegetable guy. Okay, uh, I, virtually anything green, I don't really like to eat it, okay? So if someone were to offer me a green vegetable, let's say green beans, um, I would gladly and heartily say, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because my desire is not for the green beans. I desire pizza, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, in this, so my heart is controlled by a love of pizza in that moment, Okay, and therefore I choose in accordance with that desire. I do not desire green beans. I want pineapple on my pizza. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, Thank you, Evan. Okay. So I, I say that as a silly illustration, right? Uh, but, but the principle stands is that ultimately whatever controls your heart controls your actions. So if you are ruled by the gospel, if you're ruled by the love of Jesus, then that will show up in the way that you live your life. And this is, uh, this is something that's hard for us, I think, one, because we're naturally sinners, and two, because we live in a culture that is so infatuated with the idea of you rule your own life you define who you are. You uh, forge your own identity. There's a, such a, a, an emphasis on self in our culture that it is very hard for us to think beyond our own thoughts, feelings, and desires. And it's a miracle of grace when God works in our hearts and gives us a new new affections for him and a new desire to live in accordance with his word. So my question for you is you think about the fact that this passage says that wisdom's rejection, paraphrase in here, wisdom's rejection has to do with the heart's condition. When you think about your own life, the choices that you make day in and day out, the things that you say at school, the ways that you interact with your mom and dad at home or the ways that you pick on your siblings. I'm looking at you, Luke. I don't know if you pick on your siblings or not, but 
I'm just giving you all the grief tonight. Uh, but the, the ways that we interact with people reveal something about the condition of our heart. The words that come out of our mouth reveal the condition of our heart. So let me ask you this. What's revealed about you by the things that you think, say, and do? When you survey your life over this last week, this last year, your life in in totality, is there evidence that the gospel has gripped your heart, that the love of Jesus compels you and, and motivates you? Or... Is there evidence that selfishness is what motivates you? I'm going to answer for you. The answer is that a lot of times it's selfishness in you and in me and in all of us here. And so we must, as the boys and I have been reading in our book, we must come regularly to the Word of God and meditate on it. We come regularly back to the gospel to the fact that Jesus loved you enough that he gave up his life for you so that you could have a relationship with him, so that you could be rescued from an eternity in hell. You must regularly meditate on those things and think about those things because those realities are what change our hearts and give us a new commitment to receive wisdom, to turn from sin, So reflect this week on the things that you say and the choices that you make and ask God to help you not reject his wisdom, but to receive it and to apply it in everything that you think, say, and do. And so we said at the beginning that that wisdom brings security. Seeking wisdom brings security. And this is because the pursuit of wisdom requires a relationship with God. The pursuit of wisdom requires a relationship with God. We said the first week that the foundational principle of wisdom is that you must have a a right fear of the Lord. And the, the amazing thing is this, is that God, in his grace, has provided a way for you and I to have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. It's because of Jesus and his sacrificial death that we can have open eyes. Eyes that see the beauty of God's ways and desire to live in accordance with them. It's because of Jesus that we actually are given the gift of repentance. Did you know that the Bible says that repentance is a gift? It's not something that you can just muster up on your own and you can just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and repent of your sins, but rather, the Bible says that repentance is a gift, something that Jesus purchased on the cross for his people. And at the moment of your salvation, when you gave your life to Christ, Jesus uh, gives you, uh, the, the Spirit gives you the gift that Jesus purchased of repentance. And it's because of Jesus that if you are in Christ, you no longer reject wisdom, but rather you receive it 
because he has changed the condition of your heart. It's a wonderful thing to be a Christian. Let's pray.